0: the Salesforce. Welcome to a very special episode of Sales Optimistify. We're joined by Melinda Forrest of Decibel. Woo! <laughs> hey Melinda, okay, so Melinda has been in sales for pretty much her whole career, and more recently, let's say, has switched over to sales operations. Um, And as Melinda said before we just went live, that it seems like that's actually a longer time because one year in sales operations feels like 10. On that note, uh, Melinda, how did you get into sales ops?
1: Sure. Um, Well, I I went to school for nursing, so naturally I... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Up in sales operations. Um, it's a bit of sarcasm, but really the study of humans really does translate over uh, in a lot of ways with sales operations and mm-hmm. with sales. Um, initially, when I was in sales, I, I found the culture of sales changing and evolving to be more human, more consultative, more solution oriented, especially with SaaS um, and high tech companies. And so, you know, later while well, eventually managing an inside sales team, I found myself pulling a lot of metrics for KPIs and OKRs and implementing strategy based around these insights that I thought would be better suited organization-wide. And if we were all working with aligning our strategy to meet these success metrics, we would be more efficient um, so that's kind of how I, I ended up moving into sales operations. I had an affinity for those analytics and um was hoping to then apply that to our go-to-market strategy and really help our teams become more successful.
0: Got it. So so you had a sales leadership role and then part of the activities you were doing were kind of sales operations. And that's the thing yes. that you were really good at and that you enjoyed. And so then you yes. you shifted over to focus more. Um,
1: exactly. Yeah,
0: it, It's quite interesting for me because I, we, I recently did one of these interviews and the gentleman said that best practice is like one sales operations person to 25 salespeople. So if you have a sales team that's smaller than that, you're, you're probably going to have a sales manager, a sales leader. But then obviously the sales operations stuff is probably going to sit yeah. under them. So is, is that what happened to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think prior to having a sales operations team, um, you find a lot of managers having to do bits and pieces and share this role with each other, um, and it becomes to you know as you scale, it, it just is another job of its own. So that's really the best time to bring in a sales operations person. And I've worked in high growth tech startups pretty much my whole career. Um, I love the immediate impact one can have and that generalist skill set that it promotes so that um, you kind of walk into this very humble, all hands on deck situation. Uh, And I found that, you know, when everyone has an idea and can really appreciate um, the, the role that sales ops plays in order to make their lives easier, (laughs) um, it, it becomes a very accepted, Role in the organization and it really does start to help with revenue growth um, and the ability to scale quickly as most uh, startups need. To do. Sure.
0: Um, so right now you're you're managing a sales ops team. Um, what's the ratio between people in sales ops versus actual salespeople?
1: Yeah, I'm actually not managing a sales ops team at the moment. I would like to be, and we're we're looking to hire. So if anyone's just mm-hmm um, you know, hit me up and I've done it fast. Um, however, I would say the ratio, uh, it can very easily change. So, um, everyone has their opinions on this, but I, for me, I think with every 10, you know, sales people, you should likely have some sales operations person. Um, it's, it's just a lot of effort. However, at the moment, you know, what, I'm doing is more than just sales operations. I'm also helping with marketing operations. I'm helping with finance and revenue ops. So, um, at this point, you know, if if anyone, <laughs> I would love a business analyst uh, hmm. or, or a coordinator of some sort. So, um, yeah. all. World, um, hey,
0: if you um, do have a job description, yeah. just send it over to so us, and we can oh, link okay. it below the this video and flash audio on our blog. Um, okay, awesome. So let's talk about tech stack at decibel at the moment what are you guys currently using
1: so i love this question um i've pretty much experimented with every (laughs) variation of Mm -hmm. different um out there uh perhaps it dates me a bit because you know when i was in sales we didn't have half of these tools Mm -hmm. we have now but you you have your necessities like your crm Uh, we use salesforce at decibel and uh, hubspot for our marketing automation tool um, and then we have a data intelligence software, so something like Discover.org or LinkedIn Sales Nav, similar web. Um, we have a pretty complicated territory system here, so we want to make sure that we are pulling in all of the right information and automating that into our, our CRM. Uh, and then we have um, email automation, so Sales Loft at the moment, although I, I do love outreach.io. Uh, so throwing out some props to them, they've done a lot uh, to improve. And then we have GameSight for our customer success team uh, and some luxury tools like uh, CPQ. We use Deal Hub as well as chorus.ai is something we're playing around with right now. It's it's um it's a call recording transcribing tool with search capabilities. So ideally it would help sales managers onboard uh, their team quickly, it would alert management of key deals, competitors, um, more information about the market that wouldn't otherwise be put into Salesforce because of how tedious it is for the salesperson. It automates a lot of that. Um, And so it helps us get more information and history on some of these opportunities that we wouldn't otherwise have. So that's a a huge and really helpful um, for us as well. So yeah, we we play around with a lot of tech. Um, Some things are more necessary than others, but all have the, huge purpose of making our team uh, more streamlined and helping them uh with opportunity and lead uh, conversion and success
0: got it um focusing on the theorem how are you guys currently dealing with data quality is that your responsibility or does that sit with someone else
1: <laughs> data quality is everyone's responsibility <laughs> yeah. uh, we are all responsible for that first of all we uh You know, I do my best to unify our platforms and to create automation, but I can't I can't do it all. We have some integrations that allow for the validation of information Um, and then others, you know, they they are brought in just as a visual. So LinkedIn, for example, um, you can bring that as a a visual force page on Salesforce contact records, and it may show you uh, their up to date job title. But it's still up to that sales owner to change the title if it's incorrect or if they've moved companies to update that information. So in order to have clean and healthy data, we need everyone to to pitch in. Um, But as some tips, I I would definitely say on the sales ops side, you know, use lookup fields and related fields as much as possible so that you're not duplicating information in different areas. Um, Try to differentiate record types. So we we have different record types so that we're not bogging down our users with unnecessary information and fields. Um, and then, of course, consolidate platforms as much as possible so that they're not toggling in between to see a HubSpot score or a Gainsight Health indicator or, you know, different LinkedIn pages. All that data should be integrated.
0: Got it. Um, and on that, okay. you mentioned that data quality is everyone's responsibility. How do you get... Specifically, salespeople to do stuff that doesn't directly help them get more commission.
1: Yeah, um, it it it's all about how you prove that it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the end of the day, we're all in this for the same purpose, for the same team. Uh, we want, you know, my job is to show. Um, And to create transparency between the different departments, marketing and sales, uh, partnership channel, et cetera, so that they can understand how their actions uh, deeply impact each other. And so when I explain why a specific field is required or why this validation rule is in place, um, I want them to know that it's because it helps us understand the market, which helps us change and nurture leads to a point where they're more qualified, they're more acceptable, um, they're easier to work, they're faster to work, and it speeds along the overall sales cycle, helps them increase their close win rate, and um, ultimately does bring money into their pockets. So um, it's just a matter of making sure that they understand, you know, why it is we're asking them to fill or... Uh, to fill an action. Uh, and typically they're quite understanding and responsive to that.
0: Got it. So to so enable them to understand that actually these types of actions will lead to greater commission. Um, yes. We have a question uh, from Zach. How do you define a measure of success in sales operations?
1: How do you define success? Yeah. Um. well, I define success by how our departments are succeeding. Right when we actually see growth, um, a portion of that is allotted to to process put in place, to streamlined workflow, to changes that we've made. However, um, I think that with any project, you do need a a feedback session at the end, um, so that you can say this is actually what worked. These are the expectations we had um we gave it the proper amount of time to finish and here are the results um and I think if you apply that to every single project you have whether it be you know we're implementing this new tool is it actually making our sales team more efficient or is it just another thing that they have to manage and learn and is it slowing them down um those that that matters and you can get definitive metrics
0: from that got it okay so you, you ultimately understand how well you guys are doing by i guess how much revenue each of those departments specifically sales are generating but then also you it's important to track projects based on the success metrics that you set at the start of the project right. all right got it cool um how are you currently onboarding salespeople
1: Yeah. um, So having been in sales myself, I've evaluated and used every tool I introduced them to. And many of these tools have their own great support resources as well and user guides. So, for example, if I'm going to focus on documentation, I don't want to bother to try to explain it better than HubSpot Academy or Salesforce Trailhead. Um, Those are excellent learning resources. However, they're pretty much an encyclopedia. So if you're looking for information, you can pretty much go down a black hole. Um, So it's up to me to to curate that content for them and show them where to find things as well as pair that information with our own domain expertise so that they understand how that relates to our processes and workflows. Um, And so that every new commercial member is trained, I also run... Um, full sessions with them individually um, based off of what they're bringing in. So if they have other um, habits, whether good or bad from another company, if they're great, then we want to apply those to our current workflow. If they're bad habits, we want to make sure that we're training them and giving them the foundation for success and not showing them those shortcuts perhaps right away, um, so that they they truly understand why it is that we do what we do. Um, and of course I work with their managers to maintain this knowledge and help them achieve their quotas. So it's a lot of information for people to take in right off the bat. Uh, so making sure that we have a sustained ongoing, uh, learning sessions is, is always helpful. And of course I do, I try to do a hot desk situation so anyone can tap me on the shoulder. They all know my face. Some of them call me mom. It's <laughs> general, just a, uh. Uh, I want them to know that they can ask me for pretty much anything uh, yeah. and I'm here.
0: Um, do you think that having your the background in sales gives you more credibility when interacting with the sales team?
1: I think so. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I am truly an advocate and I, I have a soft spot in my heart for the sales team. And so um, I think they know that and appreciate that I am trying to help.
0: Yeah, because we used to ask on the podcast – uh, do you think sales experience is necessary to succeed in sales ops? And the general answer was, no, but it helps. Would you agree with that? What do you think yes. it is? Okay,
1: cool. Yeah, um, I would agree with that definitely. Um, I don't know that it's necessary, but it's it's certainly very helpful. And when you're trying to gain buy-in from everyone, um, to me, it's imperative.
0: Got it. Um, how are you kind of making your sales team more productive?
1: How I'm making them more productive. So uh, this kind of ties into what we were talking about before is unification of platforms, um, transparency. So making sure that we're having closed loop um, feedback and reporting sessions so that they understand, okay, you know, these leads that you're sending in are of little value or aren't qualified. You know, they can go back to marketing. Marketing can change their their criteria. um, And if everyone's agreed upon it, then SLA should move pretty smoothly, right? Um, Transparency is key. But then I'm also doing, you know, trend analysis, um, understanding, you know, sales, sales trends, what's making others more successful and applying that strategy and giving options to the team. And I I think that they um, have the ability to take on whatever style is best for them and to know that it's still going to work with um, our overall sales force. (laughs) Um, So giving them actionable measurement is important. Dashboards so that they can keep up with their performance and the performance of their peers. They can collaborate on what is helpful. Um, They can optionalize their pipeline if they truly understand, you know, how how can we... um, pull in resources to help us speed this along. Um, where can we find certain sales enablement tools? All, all of that is, I think, important.
0: Got it. Um, and what KPIs are you currently
1: tracking? Oh, so <laughs> um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything uh, everything that we can possibly track. Of course, okay. there's limited to Salesforce, but hence all of the other tools. Um, But I think as sales revenue operations, we get to create the narrative around what actually has impact on sales performance and success. So um, we create this alignment between multi-departmental success metrics, and I facilitate the conversations with marketing, inside sales, sales, finance, partnerships, customer success, product, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We get to measure and achieve our goals by a specific time as they relate to what's going to impact each other and um, themselves individually. So um, from a project management perspective, you'd be looking at quality, scope, time, cost. um, Whereas from a sales operations perspective, I'm looking at value, volume and velocity. So um, we're strategizing around these quantifiable areas. For example, if you can shorten stage tenancy by understanding when to bring in marketing and product sales enablement, you could be closing faster, hiring win rate, um, hiring targets, raising quotas, commission, and then seeing multiplied growth at the end of the day. So, um, something as simple as as truly understanding how long you're spending in each stage in the pipeline can make a huge impact on revenue.
0: Got it. Um, so what, what I'm hearing is that you are, your role is actually much broader than sales at the moment, and then you're coordinating multiple different teams with the goal of reaching an overall revenue strategy. Is, it, is yep. that right? Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're looking at you know buying trends, um, forecasting inaccuracies, And trying to tie all of that into creating helpful sales knowledge. So making sure that our leads are qualified and of value so that sales team isn't wasting their time on anything they don't need to. um, So that they can then, of course, focus on speeding up their pipeline and then nurturing that top of funnel. Um, We're looking at how many closes are happening and how frequently it's, yeah, there's a lot of KPIs in there and a hundred different ways to measure them.
0: Got it. And if you could only measure a sales rep by a single KPI for the rest of your career in sales operations, uh, what would you choose?
1: Ooh, good question. A single KPI for one sales rep. Um, I would look at their win rate. Um, I think that there's a lot to be seen in in that. In that, um, you can see how vast they are spreading their their capabilities and time. Um, if they are winning the majority of those or not, you know, where are they strategizing? What kind of information are they using in order to win and close? Um, and the types of resources that they're leaning on because that's where we want to allocate future budget to. Uh, that's, there's a lot, there's a huge story mm. in, in those win rates so
0: we, uh, did you say then that having a win rate that's too high could be a bad thing because it means that they they have may have extra capacity to spread it across more deals is that is that correct
1: absolutely having a win rate that's too high might mean that they're not optionalizing their pipeline properly right Um, And if that's the case, then they may have a a high win right now and a very low win rate later. And we want to make sure that that doesn't happen and mitigate that that risk.
0: Got it. That's the first time we've heard that answer to that question. Very interesting point of view. Uh, Another question from Zach. Uh, What is your go-to method or framework for making sure your process is successfully implemented with good adoption?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... Making sure that it's implemented with good adoption is, yeah, making, I I don't want to roll anything out until it is strong. Um, I think we are all under specific time constraints and to push something before it's ready um, might seem like the best use of um, money if you're on a POC or trial. Um, But I think that you're not going to get the same adoption. You're not going to get the full benefit or understand that product. And you have a short period of time to really get your sales team on board. So um, making sure implementation is done prior to, to rolling it out is huge. And then post launch, um, you know, I, I tend to put on quite a bit of requirements so that people get to the habit of doing things the way that I want them to do. And then as um, time goes by, I remove those incrementally um, so that uh, we don't get user error down the line where people are filling in, you know, whatever they want just to to move past that rule, but rather they're learning what is needed and um, it becomes habit to them and they don't feel that it's required, you know, treat them with respect and like an, the adult that they are. <laughs> Um, and allow for that process to just take take shape so that they adopt it. Got
0: it. And final question, who taught you what you know about sales ops?
1: That's a hard one. Um, sales ops is really one of those roles that derives its skill set from a number of different areas. Um, and being that I've been the sole person to start and build out sales ops teams in my career, I can't say that I've actually been mentored um, by any sales ops person, however, um, having sat under sales and marketing and run reports for every other um, <laughs> person in the world, I, I can say that all have played a huge role in the development of my my skill set. Um, my my good friend, Crystal Barrett, actually, who is a business intelligence. Um, she has business intelligence development over at Accolade in Seattle. Um, and worked under a Lean Six Sigma Black Belt, had a huge impact on my project management style, um, as well as influencing how I visualize data. So we're big Edward Tuft fans. And when I think about how to translate complex data into a chart that tells Mm. a story um, that I can utilize uh, for our sales team and have them digest and and understand, that's really important. And I use a lot, a lot of Tufts techniques for that. So I definitely take uh, Crystal out to lots. Shout out to Crystal of
0: I- accolade. Absolutely. So, I, and the, the other person you mentioned, who I, I think you guys both learned from, was Edward Tufty. Cool. Edward
1: Tufts. Yeah, I don't know him, but
0: <laughs> did
1: he? have really written many books? On, which yeah.
0: Which is the best book that we can recommend?
1: Um, frankly, they're all quite large. <laughs> Uh, so I would recommend um, going to a conference, reading a blog uh, run by him, because it's um, depending on what you're looking for. Again, it becomes like such an encyclopedia venture. Um, so but the, in terms of techniques, um, cer- yeah, certain techniques are are really ideal, uh, especially when you're thinking about things like um Making sure that people who are colorblind, which is a good portion of um, the male world, <laughs> can actually visualize your charts and see. Them. So having color be at the top of your mind um, when you make graphs and, and charts is really important. Um, certain techniques like that, I think, are, are really helpful. And you can grab them from all facets of the Internet. But I would highly recommend um, looking up. Got it. Looking up top
0: okay let me just summarize what i what i picked up from that um here we are the, the very first thing you said about how the study of human nature from your nursing background is useful dealing with human nature, especially sales I thought that was really interesting um data quality is everybody's responsibility um and then enabling salespeople to see potential indirect commission come by Commission coming from actions that they might not immediately think would lead to commission is very useful when trying to engage people with a new process you want them to adopt. <laughs> I can't. Thank you so much for your time, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with the audience.
1: Yeah, appreciate program. it. Thank you for having me.